We've been in a series called Prayer Traffic Control, and this will be our final lesson for this series. And we've built it around this illustration, I guess, that the unsung heroes of the airline industry are those air traffic controllers. We never see them. We just get on planes and fly to our destination. We see pilots and stewardesses, and we see uh, airline attendants in the terminals, but we don't see air traffic controllers. But they are the people who allow pilots to do their jobs safely and effectively. Year after year, their occupation is listed among the most stressful jobs in the world. And you can imagine that because it's just so much all at the same time. And so much rests on their decisions, sometimes split-second decisions. One mid-air mistake could cause a crash, resulting in hundreds of deaths. Even a, a minor accident on the ground, on the tarmac or at the gate, uh, one plane colliding with another, it might not result in deaths, but it's millions of dollars of damage. These are million-dollar machines. And so communication between air traffic control, between the tower and the pilot, it's nearly constant. And in your life, you are prayer traffic control because your prayer life demands constant vigilance you have to be alert you have to pay attention you have to be diligent and watchful over your life and your prayer life will not survive unless you have that kind of vigilance the distractions of daily life are too much the cynicism of our culture and the formalism of just religion that that's not helpful the attacks of the enemy, all of those things war against your prayer life. So we have to be vigilant. And just like air traffic controllers are the unsung heroes of the skies, prayer warriors are the unsung heroes of any church. The prayer warriors of this assembly make everything we do possible. At least everything we do that ever matters for eternity. Now, over the last couple of lessons, we've talked about the element of sacrifice in prayer and specifically about the discipline of fasting. And we just came out of 21 days, a season of sacrifice. But the sacrifice that gets God's attention, like no other sacrifice, is that sacrifice of fasting. When you fast, especially food, but other things as well, it's restraining your flesh to release your spirit. It is telling your old man no, so you can tell that new man yes. Fasting is like using your physical body to put an exclamation mark at the end of your prayer and say, God, I am serious about this. Fasting kills the flesh and it breaks spiritual chains like no other sacrificial endeavor. There is no substitute for fasting if you really want to experience the deep things of God. You'll perhaps remember this line from our first lesson. Fasting is the sacrifice that heaven rewards the most, that hell fears the most, and that humans hate the most. And I think that's very, very true. In addition to talking about sacrifice... Last time we were together for this series, we talked about the dimension of seeking the face of God in prayer. That expression, seeking God's face or seeking the face of God, 
it's found many times in Scripture. But here's the thing. We read that and we think, well, what does that mean? Because if we can't actually see God's face, how do we seek God's face? But the Hebrew word, that's uh, panim or face, is also in the Old Testament the word most commonly translated presence. So literally, in a very literal parallel sense, to seek God's face is to seek his presence. And when you seek God's presence, powerful things, powerful promises are released in your life. Prayer has to be taught. That's why we take time, usually multiple times a year, to teach or to speak or to preach about prayer. Prayer must be taught. We don't expect new believers to come in from the world and they've never maybe prayed a prayer in their life unless it was some kind of terrible emergency. We don't expect them to come in and instinctively know what to do, so we teach about prayer. Prayer must be taught. But more importantly, prayer must be caught. And that's why we pray together. And that's why I really felt strongly to just take just a moment uh, just before I began tonight and to just pray because it doesn't matter where you are, um, if you can get together with fellow believers, there's, there, there's an intangible but yet very tangible connection that happens. And especially one of the reasons we love to come to the house of God is when we get together with other believers here in this building, in one place, in one accord, with other believers, prayer can be caught. You may have all kinds of friends in your life. You may have friends that they like video games or they like sporting events or they, they, they like uh, to go to restaurants and enjoy a good meal. That's all wonderful. But you need some friends who know God. You need some friends who know how to pray. I promise you that when your life turns upside down and when you don't have any answers and you can't go to anybody to fix it, at that moment, you're going to want somebody that knows how to pray in your life. Now, the church is very compassionate. And if somebody asks us to pray for them, we're always going to do that. If I can just be very transparent, I don't just want that in my life. I want people who know how to get a hold of God when I'm in a crisis. And I want to know them well. But I don't want to just know them so I can depend on them for an emergency. I want to know them well because I want that relationship with God to rub off on me. I want to catch prayer. Prayer must be taught, but prayer also must be caught. I thank God for the prayer warriors that we have in this church. Some of them are senior saints, but not all of them. We've got some young people that know how to pray powerful prayers. And we've got some people raising their families. And when they let loose in the spirit, they've got all the obligations of children and work and, and career. But when they let loose in the spirit, they know how to get in touch with God. One of the things that I loved about our senior generation, especially those pioneer preachers, they did not care where they were. If they sensed the presence of God, they couldn't help themselves. They responded to it, often physically. I remember walking in the Fredericton Mall. This is way back when we had, I don't know, Zellers or something as an anchor store up there. I can't remember. 
But I remember we were right in front of whatever that anchor store was. I think it was Zeller's. And I was walking with an elder minister. We were just walking down through the mall. And we were talking about the wonderful things of God. And I'll tell you, all of a sudden, he got feeling the Spirit of God. And he just did one of those deals, you know, that some of those elder saints do. We've got one that sits right down here. And he's probably not watching tonight because he doesn't have a computer to watch on. But I love it when Brother Noel Phillips, when he feels the presence of God, and he responds to it. It sounds like a shockwave through this place. Preachers love that. They comment on it when they come here and preach. And, and it always goes like something like, who's that elder in the center? See, when you know people that know what it is to be in touch with God, you can catch that. Please don't let all your friends be secular. Please don't let all your friends be on the fringe of Pentecost. Please don't let all your friends kind of be casual about church. Get some friends in your life that know what it is to walk with God because prayer must be taught and prayer must be caught. But also, prayer must be sought. You've got a desire to have your own life with God. It doesn't just happen automatically. Your flesh will chafe against having a prayer life. It doesn't like that. Your busyness will try to sabotage your prayer life. Your entertainment will try to distract you from your prayer life. Your mind will make a thousand excuses to get out of it. And the devil, of course, he wars against it. He is terrified of people who know how to pray. But God said, if you will seek my face, I will hear from heaven. I will reward you. Far too many Christians seek God's hand. They're always asking for his power. They're always asking him to do something. To hear them pray is like hearing somebody give a laundry list of requests. It's like they give God a to-do list when they pray. That's seeking God's hand or his power. But real apostolic believers, yes, they know how to ask God to lift his mighty hand and intervene, but they spend far more time seeking God's face. Not his power, but his presence. They instinctively know that when you seek God's face, you find God's favor. That when you seek God's presence, you also get his power. So seeking God's face is prayer that longs for God's presence and lingers in God's presence. It doesn't just rush in for a quick audience with the Almighty and then move on to more important things. It's a conversation with God that longs for his presence and lingers in his presence. I'm in the habit now. Beverly doesn't like it very much. Because she thinks she's 25. But. I'm almost 60. I will be 60 this June. I told him that because of the times last week. I have been young. And now I am old. She doesn't like that. So so just. I remember brother and sister Shaum. Um. They probably still have it uh, in Malaysia. They're getting ready to transition out of where they live. But 
on their apartment door outside, they had a sign that says, an old rooster and a young chick live here. So that may be Beverly and I, I'm not sure. But I'll tell you what, the older I get, the more my mind goes back to uh, some of the, the songs and the moments and the prayer times and the times of dedication that I remember very well as a young man. And I can get very emotional. And of course, you guys know I cry over everything. But I can get very emotional because it's those precious moments that were spent in God's presence. Maybe alone, but more typically, you remember times when God's Spirit just washed over a congregation. Um, and you were in the middle of it, and you were impacted by it. And I, I love that. Seeking God's face is not just a quick, hello, God, every day. Seeking God's face is prayer that just longs for his presence and lingers in his presence. I know we've been dealing with all kinds of restrictions and crazy stuff with this pandemic. And, and you know our, our feeling on it. We've tried to lead you well. I'm so proud of Pastor and the team. We've tried consistently to be cooperative and part of the solution for our community. And, uh, and that's just how we are, how we feel. That's who we are. But I'm longing for those times when we can just get back together and pack into this room and pack into these altars and just be together. Um, we're surviving. Um, some of us are even thriving. We're okay. We're going to serve Jesus no matter what. We figure if our friends in China can serve Jesus with all the persecution and restrictions that they've got, we can at least do the same here. But I long for God's presence, and I long to be in God's presence with all of you. So tonight, I come to the last part of this series, and as you know, we're in fairly significant restrictions right now. A tiny, tiny handful of people, just enough to make a service happen. And all of the rest of our church family, not allowed to be in the building. And you're sitting at home and you're watching this tonight. And as we complete this series, in addition to those restrictions, CCC has just completed our season of sacrifice. And uh, we don't apologize for season of sacrifice. Um, maybe you think we should. It's a yearly reminder that we should do better and we could do more when it comes to prayer. It is in your face. It's slightly offensive to some people. It's highly confrontational to many people because it's a call to action. But it only is really heard or perceived by those who have spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. It, it makes me sad a little bit, I would say, just being transparent, that many in our church family just tune out pastor's voice during this season of sacrifice. It, it makes me sad that many people, they can dream up a boatload of excuses as to why they can't participate. It makes me sad, just being honest, that many people in our church just carried on with their regular routine over the last three weeks. But I stand here tonight so very thankful to God for those who have hungered and have thirsted after God's presence and his power 
I thank God for you whose hearts rose to the challenge as pastor gave it to us to pray and to fast and to show God that we do not want to do 2022 without his presence around us. We told Jesus over the last three weeks, we want to overcome spiritual lethargy and apathy. We told Jesus, we want some strongholds pulled down this year. And we want revival prayed down in our midst. So I say to all of you that did push with us and you did fast with us and you did pray with us, your sacrifice was not in vain. In fact, we have already felt the impact of your prayers at CCC. Even in these services that are so strange to us, we feel the undergirding presence of God and the prayers of God's faithful people. We are abundantly grateful for those who did sacrifice and for those who did seek the face of God and for those who did help us start this year off right. But here's the thing. We need sacrificing and seeking for more than just 21 days a year. A customary season of sacrifice is wonderful. A temporary time of consecration, that's commendable. A momentary focus on spiritual disciplines is meaningful. Pastor's arbitrary call to prayer, that's helpful. A voluntary fast is powerful. And for your extraordinary cooperation, our entire team, all of our pastors, we are most thankful. But CCC family, there is more. If we truly want God's promises for our church to be fulfilled, we must prevail in prayer. We must remain in revival. We must continue in consecration. We must keep standing on the promises of God until we see them come to pass. That's what I want to talk to you tonight for just a few more moments as we conclude this series and as we concluded earlier this week our time, our season of sacrifice. When Daniel went on his 21-day fast, he's the guy that got us in this thing in the first place. When Daniel went on his 21-day fast, God gave him a grand vision. Let me tell you, Every single word that God gave Daniel in that vision was true. But it didn't happen immediately. Daniel 10 and 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. Here it is. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And Daniel understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Every word that God spoke to Daniel was true. But Daniel couldn't see God's plan in its timing. So he had to wait on it. May I say to you that God has spoken to many of you. I've received some of the emails and texts and I know Pastor has as well. Here's what I know. God spoke to you and some of you, you ended this season of sacrifice and you thought, well, I believe God spoke to me. I believe God gave me a promise, but I haven't seen it fulfilled yet. 
That's normal. Daniel received this word from God. He received this promise, this grand vision, and the Bible specifically says it was true. Now, everything around Daniel said it was false. Everything around Daniel said it's not going to happen. But Daniel got a word from God, and the Scripture says it was true, but the time appointed was long. God's calendar and Daniel's calendar didn't match. In fact, the Bible also tells us there was war in the heavenlies from the very first day that Daniel began seeking God. My goodness, I feel this for our church family tonight. The answer was on the way, even though Daniel couldn't see that his season of sacrifice was working. When he finally got a divine visitation after the end of that 21 days, here's what the message was for Daniel. He said unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did seek your heart to understand and to chasten, to discipline yourself before God, thy words were heard, and now I am come for your words. The message to Daniel was, God heard your prayer the first time you prayed it. He heard your prayer the first day it was made. But it took a while because there was a battle in the heavenly realm. And so God knows what he's doing up there and we can't see it. But we know what our job is down here. Our task is to keep praying to keep seeking to keep sacrificing to keep fasting until we see God intervene nobody on our staff has called this church to 365 days of fasting because we'd like to keep you around for a while we haven't even called special prayer every day of this year but here's what I'd like to say to you tonight that 21 days is not nearly enough to see what God has promised over this church congregation. And so we're not asking for us to finish day 21 and go into another 21 days. If pastor feels to do that later in the year, we'll gladly do it. But here's what we're saying. Somewhere you've got to make up your mind to stand on the promises of God and to stand in prayer. And that means you've got to figure out how to go from a season of of special consecration into a normal lifestyle of consecration. So it won't be 21 days of fasting, but maybe it needs to be a fast day every week for you. It won't be 21 days when the whole church is saying, let's make sure we're praying every single day. But you need to make that consecration yourself and have prayer with God every day. Because here's what I know. From the moment you start praying for it, God hears it. It may take a while to get the answer beat through all the opposition in the heavenly realm. It may take a while to overcome the opposition of the evil one, but from the first day you began to pray, God has been listening. And there will come a day for you like it came for Daniel when the word of God will be, now today I have come 
for your words. I've come for the prayer you prayed. So if you're praying over a backslider to get them back to God, you keep praying. Here's what I will tell you on the authority of the word of God. God heard your prayer for that person the first time you prayed it. And he's working behind the scenes to answer that prayer. If you're praying a prayer for healing and it seems like your symptoms have gotten worse and the diagnosis is even more terrible, here's what I would tell you. Keep praying because from the first day you began to pray, God heard your prayer. You see, there's an important principle in prayer and in spiritual warfare that you need to understand. It was introduced to us in the physical realm when Joshua and the children of Israel, when they took the promised land, when they conquered it, here's what God's promise was to Joshua. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Tread upon. I've explained this to our church before, years ago in fact. Tread is the Hebrew word darak. It means to string a bow, to pick up a weapon, to tread down, to conquer, or to fight for. So God's promise was not... Joshua, you go take a casual little walk through the territory. You take a casual walk into the land I've promised you. And every place that you just casually stroll, I'll give it to you. No, that's not what God said to Joshua. What God said to Joshua was every place you set your feet and you pick up your weapons and you fight for it, I will give it to you. So if you'll square your shoulders and lock your steps and stand on that ground and pick up your weapons and fight, it's yours. And God's word to us would be the same. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If you'll fight for it in prayer, if you'll stand for it in prayer, if you'll stand on the promises of God, we've sacrificed, it's been wonderful. We've sought the face of God, it's been powerful. But now, coming out of 21 days and, and, and in pandemic restrictions so we can't even get together, we still need to figure out how am I going to stand on the promises of God? How am I going to stand my ground in prayer moving forward? forward through the rest of this year. When God gives you a promise, you still have to fight for it. Just because God gave you a promise doesn't mean that you sit back and take your ease. It doesn't mean you kick back in a lazy boy chair and just kind of sit there and hope God shows up. When God gives you a promise, like the promise he gave to Joshua, it's still your responsibility to pick up your weapons and fight for it. Although God had allowed them to enter the promised land, they had not yet possessed everything that was included in that promise. And that's where we stand as a church family. God has allowed us to see a glimpse of our future, and it is glorious. Prophetic words have been uttered and spoken over this congregation. Our pastors have preached to us about the future, and they've given us vision for our future. God himself has invaded this sanctuary so many times, and the touch of his spirit and the gifts of the spirit and the moving of his spirit has been incredible. And we know the future is great, but we will never see everything that God wants for us unless we stand our ground in prayer. That's how prayer works, CCC family. Stand your ground until you get an answer.
Ephesians chapter 6. Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Here it is. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's not going to turn out for your advantage. You're not going to have a victory by just casually approaching the fight. You've got to stand your ground. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You see, we're wrestling against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Your fight's not with me or with anybody else. Your fight's not with a family member or a neighbor or a church member. Your fight is with the devil. It's in high places, spiritual wickedness, rulers of darkness. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. He says it again, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he just keeps saying it. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and the breastplate of righteousness and uh, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He goes through the armor. But the point here is, That while you're taking that shield of faith and with that you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy and and, and you take the helmet of salvation and you pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. While you're getting dressed in your armor, you remember something. If you put on the armor and then go lay down, it doesn't do anything. If you put on the armor and then go relax, it doesn't accomplish anything. You put on the armor so you are able to stand against the tactics and the pressure and the plots of the enemy. So God is calling us not just to sacrifice for 21 days, not just to seek his face for 21 days. God is calling this church to stand on the promises of God. This is how prayer works. It's not easy. It's not casual. It's not cheap. Prayer will cost you something. But prayer works like this. You stand your ground until you get an answer. You keep standing on the promises of God until you see them come to pass. Sister Kathy, come on back, would you? Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. My goodness, isn't God teaching us patience the last couple of years? Watch this. Continuing instant in prayer. Continually in prayer. Continually pushing the envelope in prayer. Continuing instant in prayer. Colossians 4 and 2. Here he is again. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. The word of God for this church is not to stop our season of sacrifice, but to figure out a way that you can continue it. We're not asking you to continue it every single day. We're not asking you another 21 days. We're just saying... The word from God for you is continue. You figure out what fasting looks like for you. Don't leave fasting until 2023 when pastor asks us for another 21 days to start the year. Don't leave your prayer life until we get back in the building and you can feel the wash of the prayers of all the other people. You've got to figure out in your life how I'm going to continue in what we've opened up in the Spirit. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. 
these verses are almost like a, a, a little three-line poem. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And he backs around and he says it again. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. He says it twice for emphasis. And I want you to notice the King James Version is over 400 years old. A lot of people, they prefer to do their Bible reading in a modern translation, and I understand that. But the King James has this benefit in, in, in the way it's worded. Anytime you see a word ending in E-T-H, it's not just old language. It's actually showing us a verb tense. So when the Bible says in the King James Version, asketh, it means somebody that asks and won't stop asking. And so what Jesus is saying in verse 8 is for everyone that asks and won't stop asking, they will receive and not stop receiving. For everyone that seeks me and won't stop seeking, they will find and continually find answers. And to those that keep knocking at that door and knocking at that door and knocking at that door and their spirit at this moment in our church family says, Pastor, thank you for calling us to 21 days. It helped focus us. It helped give us a vision for this year. It helped kind of pull us into discipline as we began the year. Because we are not just going to make resolutions about gym memberships and weight loss and time management. We make our most important resolutions about our spiritual lives. And so, Pastor... Thank you for calling us to prayer. Thank you for calling us to fasting. But see, my prayer still isn't answered. My problem is still facing me. That sickness is still hanging on. And that backslider still isn't home. So I'm going to knock and keep on knocking. Because to the one who knocks and keeps on knocking, that door cannot stay shut forever. That door cannot stay locked forever. God is going to hear prayer. From the first day you started praying, Daniel, I heard your prayer, and I am going to come for your words. So keep on asking, and keep on seeking, and keep on knocking, because God will answer. So the word from God for our church family and for any of you that are hungry for this, we've had over 3,000 people following along with us in this little series, and I thank you for joining us. Here's the Word of God for you. Continue. Keep going. Don't stop. Push. Persist. Press on. Pursue. Stay at it. And stand your ground. Three-word verse, Paul to the Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. Paul's not saying stay on your knees the rest of your life. He's not saying never touch another morsel of food the rest of your life. Of course he's not. He's not even saying always be speaking prayers. No, he's saying you keep your mind, you keep your heart, you keep your spirit always in an attitude, in a posture of prayer. Pray without ceasing. You be ready to go to war anytime the spirit touches you and says now's the time to intercede. You be ready to go to prayer anytime God 
God leads you. You maintain that longing and that desire to linger in His presence. No, it's not going to look like 21 days of whole church focus. That's pretty much impossible to maintain with an entire church body. We're busy trying to preach evangelistically to give people the gospel. We're trying to teach them about all kinds of life skills they need to live for God. So every service and every sermon and every message is not going to call us to prayer and fasting, consecration and discipline. Some of this you have to grow up and learn to do on your own. And if you can hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to CCC and to our friends that join us every week by webcast, the voice of the Spirit is saying, pray without ceasing. Stand without relenting. Continue to fast. It won't be every day. It won't be a 21-day fast all the time. But God's calling some of you to pick a day, and every week, that's your fast day. God's calling you to pick a time, carve it out, and that's my prayer time. God's calling you to do more, because more is required in the end of the end times and the last of the last days. I close our series with a statement that impacts me very much from the very first week we gathered together to talk about prayer traffic control. I think you'll remember it. I hope you have it burned in your brain. If it does not challenge you, it will not change you. You've got to say, I'm going to be at least as disciplined about prayer as I am about my finances or as I am about my career or as I am about my education, my job. I'm going to be at least as disciplined about my spiritual life as I am about all of that. And I'm willing for God to challenge me, not just for 21 days when pastor calls a season of sacrifice. I'm asking you, Jesus, to challenge me every week this year because I do want to be changed into His likeness. And I want to see my family and our church and our city and our province and our nation and our world impacted by the prayers of God's people. I am not going to expect somebody in a church somewhere around the world to do my praying for me. I am going to get a hold of God. I am going to sacrifice. I am going to seek His face. And yes, I am going to stand upon his promise. I still feel a powerful witness of God's presence and I believe that you do at home wherever you're watching. Would you lift up your hands right now? I know you're at home. You may have other family members walking through that aren't paying much attention to this. But I'm asking you, that's your home. You and Jesus live there. I'm asking you to lift up your hands right now and pray in the Spirit for a moment. You have a right to have the Holy Ghost move in your house. You have a right for the presence of Jesus to be a common guest in your living room, in your kitchen. You have a right as a child of God to have Jesus touch 
touchdown in your home. He can heal you just as well sitting on your couch as he can sitting on a seat in this sanctuary. He can deliver you just as surely watching a webcast as he can if you were sitting here in the front row right now. So in the name of Jesus, I speak over you right now. In the name of Jesus, I call the Word of God and the presence of God to account, to move for you, to move in your life. Jesus is calling you. He's lifting you. He's challenging you. You can feel it in your spirit. This year's going to be the greatest year you ever had to live for God. This year, you're going to see answers. This year, we're going to see miracles. This year is going to be greater. You say, pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. I say to you, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the name of Jesus, the blood of the cross. I say to you, we have more for us. They that are with us are more and mightier than they that be against us. It's a year of revival and harvest. It's a year of miracles, signs, and wonders. It's a year of deliverance and restoration. But only you can choose whether you're going to jump in that river and swim consistently because that's the only way you're going to see it in your personal life. Lord Jesus, right now I call to deep calleth unto deep. I call to the deep part of every child of God. I call to the core of their being where your Holy Ghost resides. I call to the core of their being where they want to serve you and they want to be great for you and they want to do something for your kingdom. I call past all the distractions. I reach past all of the opposition. I reach past everything that would hinder them and I call to the core of their being deep calleth unto deep at the noise of the water spouts. God, I reach right down through the authority of your word and through the power of your spirit and I call their spirit to sacrifice. I call their spirit to seek you. I call their spirit to stand. They want to. It's their desire. But the world, this life, Our existence is so distracting. So we push past the distractions tonight. And we say, we will sacrifice. We will seek your face. And we will stand on your promise until we see it fulfilled. In the name of the Lord Jesus. If you dare, wherever you are, I dare you to lift up your voice and pray in the Spirit. It'll change your home right now. It'll change the atmosphere in your living room right now. I dare you to lift up your voice with your spouse sitting there beside you, with your kids gathered around. I dare you to lift up your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost right now because Jesus is not confined by a webcast. He's not confined because you couldn't get to this building. You're in that building where you are, and Jesus is with you. Lift up your voice right now. Let's prepare for the greatest year we've ever seen. Rebolo do la bashosa robokoye. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, you're feeling the Holy Ghost. I encourage you to let tears stream out of your eyes this evening. I encourage you to leave this webcast time and continue to just talk to Jesus this evening. He wants you to be closer to Him than you even can imagine. He's as close as the mention of His name in your life. Oh my, I thank you God. I thank you God. I thank you God. I thank you God. I thank you Jesus. And so the altar call, you know we can't have them here in this building. We're not even here all together. The altar call isn't at this altar tonight. The altar call isn't even in this church structure tonight. The altar call is by your bedside, kneeling at your couch, sitting with the word open at your kitchen table. It's driving in your car all alone tomorrow on your way to work, talking to Jesus. It's maybe next Monday or Tuesday or Thursday, whatever day you pick, and you say, Jesus, that's my day. I'm going to lay aside food that day. I'm going to fast that day. That's going to be, I've never had a fast day, but I'm going to have a fast day. That's our day. We've been very diligent, I believe, in modern times, and I think it's wonderful. We've got precious parents that are so diligent with their children. And you hear about dads and moms taking their kids hear about precious dads that love their family so much, taking their young daughter on a date, taking their son out to do something special with him and showing their kids attention. Can I tell you, oh my, Jesus would like to have just a time when you can have a God date. It's your day for fasting. It's your time for prayer. It's your moments in his word. He longs for that. Because what you don't realize is that all the while the Word of God talks about us seeking His face, He's wanting to see your face in prayer. He's wanting to see your face reflected in His Word. He wants to spend time with you. doesn't have to be dramatic. You don't need a full praise team and all the musicians and the whole church singing and praying all around you. God's excited just to hear from you. And so that is your challenge out of this little series at the beginning of 2022. How are you going to continue this? How are you going to stand in prayer moving forward? Because you are prayer traffic control over your life. Your diligence, your vigilance is what will make all the difference. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the anointing that I have felt as I've attempted to communicate your word. And I believe that your anointing has been felt in every home that's been connected. So Jesus, we make a pledge. We make a decision. We, 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 we focus and, and we call our spirit to attention and we say, this year's different. Next week's different. I am not going to slide back to the way it was. We've got enough restrictions in this pandemic. I refuse to have restrictions 
on my spiritual life. And so in the name of Jesus, I set the people of God free to soar. I set them free to to dig deep. I set them free to be more and to do more than ever before. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name. It has been an honor and a great privilege to teach the word of God to you tonight. CCC family and all of our friends, we're so honored that you connect with us every week and you watch our services and and you communicate with us about how the Word of God's ministering to you. And we're so grateful for that. But let's go be the people that God has called us to be. And wherever you live and whatever your family looks like and whatever your situation may entail, Let's get a hold of the promises of God and let's stand our ground and see God intervene all to the glory of God, all for the growth of His kingdom. Oh my, thank you for being with us tonight. God bless you in Jesus' name and we'll see you in our next service.